0: Bibles tonight, let's go back to 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 verse 1, 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. I have a sermon that's been percolating and I'm not going to preach it tonight, but I'm going to give you a little piece of it tonight. Um, We're talking about fellowship and and Jesus, He spent time in people's homes. Now Keep in mind, we're we're working our way to this and we're going to make some more progress tonight, but um, what we see in Scripture is... God's desire for fellowship with us. As a matter of fact, if I, could, if I could make it sound real proper like a title, it's God's eternal desire for fellowship with us. Um, he desired fellowship with you before you were formed in your mother's womb. That's true. The Bible says He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And He looked forward to the day that you would be born so that He could have fellowship with you. Amen. And so one of the things we see is when Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't a recluse. Man, he was out in the streets. He was out in the temple. He was, he was hanging out with folks. He had a, a group of disciples around him that basically spent 24-7 with him. He, he hung out in people's houses. And so one day he goes to his friend's house, Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus. You're familiar with them from the Bible. And we see that Martha got busy in the kitchen and Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha got upset about that. And Jesus said, Martha, you're distracted with many things. <laughs> Amen. He said, but Mary has chosen the good part. That good, we, see, we think good like good, better, best. No, 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 no. She's chosen the good part, the part that can't, in other words, that can't be beat, would be one way we say it. But here's what Jesus said. He said, and what she has chosen cannot be taken from her. Just encourage you today. What Father's going to do in your heart tonight, it may be immediately recognizable, um, or it may not be recognizable until sometime later. But any time you come to be in His presence, to present yourself before Him to receive truth and instruction and wisdom from Him, you receive something that cannot be taken from you, cannot be taken from you. Praise God. That means it's eternal. That means that you will receive things tonight from the Holy Spirit via your spiritual union with God that will still be a part of you a thousand years from now. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life which was with the Father. And was manifested to us. Of course, he's talking about Jesus, right? That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Quick review. If Jesus had a best friend, it was John, the Beloved. And, of course, John is the one writing these words. He was recognized and acknowledged for being someone who was very close to Jesus, and he had tremendous respect for people uh, throughout the rest of his life because of that. He was a hero, if you will. He he was held in, uh, you know, and all the apostles were, don't misunderstand me, um, certainly the apostle Paul and all these guys, Peter, I'm not trying to diminish them, but John was head and shoulders above all of those men, and he was literally Jesus' bosom buddy, if you will. And what John has shared with us in his gospel and now in these letters is what he experienced firsthand, what he saw firsthand. Easter's right around the corner, April 1st, I believe. And um, what we know about Jesus' trial and his beating and, and, and all the details of that, we know it because John stayed there to witness it. Everybody else ran, but John didn't run. Everybody else hid and denied and got behind closed doors. No, no, not John. And so we see he's a very unique person, but what he draws attention to here is that the same kind of relationship he had, has with Jesus, and when he was writing this, it was the relationship, you know, that was present tense on earth. Of course, he's in heaven now. Um, Is available to every person. That's what he's saying. I'm telling you this because you can have this same fellowship with us, us, okay? And truly, our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, what is expressed in these verses is the culmination of the entire story of the Bible. The reason for our existence and the fulfillment of what God desires most, that we would have fellowship with Him and He with us. Now, I'm going to make a run at some of these. Some of this is going to be review, okay? But this is how the Lord's instructed me to do it, and so we're going, to, we're going to follow his instructions, okay? Let's begin here. You were created by God for fellowship with him. You can never hear that enough. There are things that I confess over my life. There are things that, that um, I acknowledge each morning when I wake up. I acknowledge His absolute power and authority over my life. I acknowledge His tremendous, unending love for me. I acknowledge um, that my life is not my own to do with as I please. And now, of late, I've acknowledged that I was created by Him to have fellowship with Him, okay? So, again, you were created by God for fellowship with Him. This is why He's the desire of the nations, because every human being was created by Him for fellowship with Him. Fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. Nothing is more important to him, and therefore nothing should be more important to you. Now, This is where we left off this morning, and I'll touch briefly on it. We mentioned it again last Sunday night in closing, and we're going to press on past this tonight. But there are lots of wonderful things that, that you are capable of doing. Don't misunderstand me. When we talk about what we have the ability to do, the unique gifts, the unique callings. You know, there's teachers in this room, there's caregivers in this room, there's administrators in this room. And, um, and all of that is, is an important part of what God has put you and me and us on this earth to do. So all of those things are noble things. All of those things could even be considered like, you know, admirable. In other words, you should receive honor for it, recognition for it. But if we stop short of, even the best things that we're capable of doing in that arena, we've missed our highest and best. Because the highest and best purpose for man is fellowship with God. Let me try to say this another way. You were created, and we'll get to this in a moment, but you were created by God in a very specific, unique way to make fellowship with Him possible. And so because of that, for instance... Um, created in the image and likeness of God means that we were created to win. We, we were created because our God is, has dominion, does He not? Yes. Our God has dominion, and he, he is a conquering spirit, okay? So we're creating His image and likeness. We have that in common with Him. We, I don't know if anybody in this room likes to lose. Man, I can't wait to get started tomorrow so I can go lose again. No. See, we, we love to win, right? And we love, you know, to overcome and be victorious, so we were created by God in order to have fellowship with him, created in a very unique way. So because of that, this, this, you know, what a human being can accomplish, I mean, what we're capable of achieving, I mean, we've put people on the moon. I mean, I, I mean you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know, we've dug stuff out of the ground and made one of these. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, I, I know that may sound a little silly, but... You know, I mean, we dug metals out, we, we, uh, all this other stuff, and figured out how to put it all together in this little package. And I could talk to my pastor friends in Kenya face to face on this thing, standing right here. It's not even plugged into nothing. I mean, no, it's wirelessly. Con- I mean, again, so what mankind has been able to accomplish is nothing short of astounding. But the best thing we've ever created, the best idea we've ever come up with, the most noble thing we've ever done. As beautiful and as important as those things are, we're falling short of what we're truly capable of, and that is our highest and best. So fellowship with God is your highest and best. It's the best purpose, the highest purpose for which you were created. Nothing is more important to God. See, there's a lot of times we want to point, you know, to what we've done. Look at what I've done, God. Look at what I've accomplished, God. Look at what I've given to you, God. Look, you follow what I'm saying? All these things, and, and, and don't get me wrong, okay? I mean, you, you keep in mind, you're, you're trying to impress somebody who breathes stars out of his mouth. You know? But I'm, I don't mean that like to, to disrespect or, or somehow diss whatever it is that you've accomplished. But in our, what we do for him is extremely important. But what he longs for more than anything is Our fellowship. So there's a lot of people that want to substitute their service for, their, for the fellowship. In other words, they want to point to their accomplishments and almost, you know, like just use that as an excuse for not spending more time with them because I was out doing all this stuff for you, right? And so fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for you, for me. Amen. Now... Any other purpose, gift, calling, or reason for your existence is not only secondary to your fellowship with God, it is dependent upon it. Meaning, the more you fellowship with Him, the more effective you're going to be in everything else He's put you on this earth to do. The, the more you spend time with Him, because He's going he's to give you the instructions, the insight, the witty inventions, the ideas, the focus, in order for you to be more successful and more fruitful in all these other areas, you know, so if, if you're a carpenter, if you're an engineer, if you're a plumber, if, if, if you're in the medical profession, if, if you're a, a wife and mother and, and homemaker, all these things, right? Our fellowship with, all those things are important, but any other purpose, gift, calling, a reason for your existence is not only secondary, takes second place, but it's dependent upon your fellowship with God. So fellowship with God is why you exist. That doesn't mean that there aren't other things, but because all other things are dependent upon your fellowship with God, it's, I think it's important for us to narrow it down to that. And I, again, I know that's a bit extreme of a statement, but it's so easy for us to get distracted by other things And leave the most important thing out, fellowship with Him. Your life will never make sense or be what it was meant to be without fellowship with Him, without fellowship with God. Are you seeing how we're just kind of laying this line upon line, brick upon brick, okay? So you were, again, your life will never make sense or be what it was meant to be without fellowship with Him. The next one, you were... You were created by God in light of this fellowship purpose. So we already commented on that in the beginning, but I'm just working through these one by one. So this is what we were mentioning earlier. This is why God created you the way he created you. In his image, in his likeness, to look like he looks and to function the way he functions. He created you with the ability to speak, for instance, because he wants to have a conversation with you. He created you with the ability to hear because He wants you to hear His voice. He created you with the capacity to receive love and give love because He wants you to learn how to love like He loves and be loved by Him and then love others as He's loved you. See, all of, all of these, if God had not created us this way, the fellowship then would not have been possible. So that's this next one. You were created in His image and likeness just a little bit lower than God Himself to make this fellowship possible. Now, there's a mistranslation in the King James, New King James Version of the Bible when God says we made just a little bit lower in the book of Psalms, a little bit lower than the angels. That word translated angels there is the word Elohim, and Elohim or Elohim is the Hebrew word for God. Every other place in the Old Testament Elohim was translated, it was translated God with that one exception. And it was because the early translators just could not fathom, could not fathom that we were somehow above angels in importance to God but nonetheless when God created you he created you just a little bit lower than himself now more recent translations have corrected that and and even the message translation says you were so much like God that you narrowly missed being him now i know that makes some folks uncomfortable and you know, I'm not telling you that to puff you up. I'm not telling you that for, for you to go, you know, home and call your mama and say, Pastor Mark said I'm almost God. No, no, it's, it's for you to understand why it's that way. See, we like to argue doctrine. Oh, you're wrong, Pastor. How could it be? That just, that sounds like very dangerous heresy to me. No, no, no. See, let's listen, you're missing it. Until you understand fellowship, none of this rest of this stuff will make sense. But if you begin to understand God's number one purpose for you and highest and best for you is fellowship with Him, He he created you almost just beneath Him to make that fellowship possible. Now, sin separated us from fellowship with God and caused us to fall short of His highest and best for us. One word that we see in the Bible that, that communicates or even some... Definitions of this word are highest and best, um, is the word glory. So, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, where you know the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, obviously, it doesn't end there being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I'm gonna, we're, we're making some progress tonight, so I don't want to get too, when I say bogged down, uh, anybody that's been around Heritage very long knows that one of my favorite subjects to preach and teach on is the subject of the gift of righteousness, that we, we've been given righteousness, we've been made righteousness, right before God in the eyes of God because of what Jesus has done for us. But it's not just righteousness for righteousness' sake. He's made you right with Him and given you that as a gift because you can't have fellowship with Him if you're not right with Him. All right. So notice, because Jesus paid the price for us, took that big word like mayonnaise in verse 25, propitiation. It literally means that Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserved. He absorbed the wrath of God on your behalf. So our sin demanded a punishment. Our sin demanded death. Here's the only problem. Father, don't want to, He don't want you to die because of your sin. He wants you to live and have fellowship with Him. So Jesus came as our substitute, took the blame and punishment for us. So this allowed our Heavenly Father to be a just God because it would be unjust for Him to just sweep our sin under the rug, right? He can't just look the other way we did it and it was wrong and it didn't just hurt him it hurt other people and so there's a grievance there's a there's a, a, an, an issue that has to be resolved and so Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for Father God to resolve that issue so at the same time he gets to be a just God and at the same time he's just he gets to be the one who justifies makes you right before Him, just and justifier. Come on now. That's good news right there. Okay? But again, the problem is we sinned and fell short, Verse Romans 3.23, we sinned and fell short of the glory of God. The glory of God for you is your highest and best. I think last, Wednesday, last Sunday night we used the example of a hawk. Big old hawk sitting on a branch, sitting on a phone line, whatever. They're beautiful. But man, when their wings are spread and they're soaring or they're, especially when they're nose diving you know, in, 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 in hunt mode, um, it's, it's just another level of glory for them. It's just another, another you know, step up as far as their beauty and, and the fulfillment of what they're created and, and, and capable of doing by God. So when it says that everyone sinned, and fell short of the glory of God. It means that we all sinned and fell short of God's highest and best. So again, what is God's highest and best for us? His highest and best for us is fellowship with Him. See, we, we well, you know, His highest and best for us is obeying the commandments. His highest and best for us is to serve Him. His highest and No, no, no. All that's wonderful. All that is, is important. But the very... <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. I, I've sat in front of my computer just stared at it. Are you getting this? Do you you understand what I'm saying here? This, This is... You were created by God in such a way as to walk into his very throne room boldly. Boldly. Most people knock on my office door. My wife doesn't. She doesn't have to. I mean, she'll look in and see if somebody's in there, right? You, you know what I'm saying? My children, usually they look in, they're polite, but they come on in, right? You see what I'm saying? We, we don't even have to knock. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? We were created by God for that fellowship, fellowship. Now, Let's shift gears for a moment. God's eternal desire for fellowship with us is evident. Now it's connected. When I say shift gears, I'm going to use that for opening phrase there a few times. God's eternal desire for, for fellowship with us is evident through the Word of God, throughout the Word of God, in spite of the sin that made fellowship impossible. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory, but let me just make sure you got it, okay? We got a problem. It's called sin. And the sin problem that we have has made the kind of fellowship that God longs for with us impossible. So you would think, well, he just kind of set up in heaven and waited us out. No. In spite of the fellowship being impossible, he did everything he could possibly could, to be as close to us as He possibly could. And we see it all throughout the Bible. We see it all throughout the Bible. E- even when the, the nation of Israel was coming out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness, I mean, you understand, God could have orchestrated things from heaven, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, uh, command station, third heaven. But instead, he wanted a tabernacle amongst his people, a mobile tabernacle, a place where he could come, his very presence and glory could come and dwell among his people. Now, there were obviously all kinds of things in place to insulate his glory from direct contact with them. That's a lot of trouble, people. I mean, mean, that's... It's a lot of trouble and you don't even get to touch them. You don't even get to hug them. You don't even get to kiss them, right? But again, I'm just trying to show you his eternal desire for fellowship with us is evident throughout the word of God in spite of the sin that made fellowship impossible. Next one, God's eternal desire for fellowship with us is evident throughout the Word of God and is only magnified by His continued pursuit of us and willingness to endure our rejecting Him, turning away from Him, forgetting Him, and desire for things other than Him. Again, I'm trying to show you something here. Let me say it another way. The Holy Spirit's trying to show us all something here. When I tell you that Father God has an eternal desire for fellowship with you, I'm trying to prove it to you from the Word of God. So we have a problem that makes the fellowship He longs for with us impossible, and yet He continues, He continues throughout the Word of God to be as close to us as possible in spite of that sin. Now we see that God's eternal desire for fellowship with us is evident throughout the Word of God and is only magnified. In other words, when you consider how many generations have rejected Him, turned their backs on Him, mocked Him, denied Him, forgotten Him, chose other things other than Him, worshipped other things besides Him, came up with all kinds of theories to say and prove that He's not there, that he doesn't exist, that it's all just some fantasy, something made up, right? All of that has been going on for millennia. And so he continues to pursue us in spite of all that. That's why I'm telling you, all of those things just serve to magnify to me just how much he desires us. In the statement that's on the screen right now, I want you to see God's desire for fellowship reflected in His relentless pursuit of us from the Garden of Eden until right now. In spite of all we have done to push Him away, in spite of all that you and I have done as individuals to push Him away from our lives, if you spend a few minutes thinking about it, it's really astounding to consider that He hasn't given up on us. I mean no disrespect in saying this but have you ever like had a friend or or knew somebody that I see what we call it a crush back in high school, you know? Somebody that really really had, you know, desire to have a relationship with with a you know, say one of your guy friends and wanted to date this girl and and she just kept no, no, no and he just, you know, what do we say we say man, he's got it bad for her. Right? I mean no disrespect, my friend, but please hear me. Father's got it bad for you. This is something powerful, powerful in him. God's eternal desire for fellowship with his people is undeniable and can only be described as a deep, passionate longing within him begging to be fulfilled. Begging to be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit said this to us last Sunday morning. Would to God we long for Him the way He longs for us. As your servant leader, as your pastor, I'm growing in these things myself. But as as simple as I know how to say it, I want you to want Him want you to want him. I can't make you want him. I can't make you want him. I'm going to do everything that the Holy Spirit enables me to do in the coming days to make him as beautiful and as attractive and as real and as personable and as desirable as I can possibly do it with the Holy Spirit's help. But it still comes down to either you want him or you don't. Either you want him or you don't. But we cannot deny That He not only desires fellowship with you, it is an eternal desire. It's undeniable and can only be described as a deep, passionate longing within Him, begging, begging to be fulfilled. God's eternal desire for fellowship with His people is evident. In the lengths He has gone to and the incredible price He paid, to eliminate once and for all the sin that made fellowship with him impossible. Wow. See, now we're, we're kind of getting... You, follow, you Have you been following along? I know you have. But we've just been kind of building this. This is how the Holy Spirit showed me to do this. So now we see that there's more behind what Jesus did for us than just an opportunity for us to be forgiven for our sins and not go to hell. We see that there is more behind what Jesus did for us than simply securing our eternal destination. He paid the price that He paid for us so that the sin that separated us from God could be taken away, not covered over, not temporarily, you know, uh, uh, paid for, but for it to be completely taken away, removed from you as far as the east is from the west, so that it would never be used against you, held over your head to separate you from him ever again ever again. Now, there are, there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ today about salvation. And there are folks that believe, you know, once you're saved, do anything you want to do, you're still saved. And there's folks that, you know, believe you get saved, but if you make a, make a mistake, commit a sin after that, you're just as lost as you were before. And And are, people argue these things and they get offended when you preach something that they don't agree with about these things. And I'm going to tell you what would help all of us better understand what the Bible teaches about salvation. It's the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to make uninterrupted fellowship with God possible. This is why Jesus was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. He paid for sin I have not yet committed yet. That doesn't mean I'm planning on going to commit some tonight. But he has paid for and already forgiven me for sin that I have not yet committed. And you say, Pastor, that's just not right. That's dangerous. You ought not tell these young people this. Well, well they just go out here and sin just because they can. Well, they can anyway. They can anyway. But the reason we, we, we have such a hard time understanding this is because we, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we, we look at this from the position of, of what it means to us. And we never consider what it means to Him. We try to understand why He did it based upon our experience and understanding of it. Well, ever considering that there is a deep, passionate, eternal longing in our Father's heart to have fellowship with you And because sin is what kept us from having that fellowship, He, through Jesus, paid the price for it once and for all so that it would never be a factor in your fellowship with Him ever again. It's true. It's true. It's true. Now, the Bible says that those who understand this will purify their lives, even as He is pure. I'm not hedging. I'm not trying to talk out both sides of my mouth. It's just the, the idea is if people know this, they'll use it as an excuse to sin. We never needed an excuse to sin in the past. Okay? But when the reality of this, when you understand that your Creator, didn't just spin this world into orbit and you became you know something that crawled out of the primordial soup and all life's about is surviving when you understand that you were created by him for many purposes but none higher than fellowship with him it is his ultimate priority uh, for you is what you were created in light of. And when you begin to understand that our own sin and rebellion against him made that impossible and yet he paid the ultimate price. You ever had an on again, off again relationship with somebody? Man, that's miserable, isn't it? I've seen folks over the years dating, they break up two weeks, back together for three weeks, break up six weeks, back together for four weeks, and that's, there's no joy in that. Come on now. There's no joy in that. See, why do we think Father wants an on-again, off-again relationship with us? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. But, but you know, if, think about it now. If every time we commit a sin, we're no longer His child, we're separated from Him again. See, He who's begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. We're, we're running out of time tonight. Let me, let me um, if I do this again next Sunday, will you still be here to hear it? Okay. All right. The key here are the words once and for all. Once and for all. <clears throat> so we sometimes hear this, man, I'm done with this once and for all. No, no, please hear me. We, we sometimes, once and for all means something different to us than it means in the Bible. Once and for all in the Bible means Jesus did it once and he did it for all. You follow what I mean here? In other words, he died once for all sin. If someone in the room tonight's never been born again and you wanted Jesus to purge you of your sin, not in part but in whole, he would not have to get off his throne and go be crucified again. Now, you have to understand the Old Testament system was a system that required a continual offering of an animal sacrifice for sin. So you could not bring a lamb, for instance, to the the temple and that lamb be sacrificed and it be a one and done for all the sin that you'll commit for the rest of your life. No, no. That lamb was only good to cover over the sins that had been previously committed up until that point. You sin after that, another sacrifice. You sin after that, another sacrifice. You sin after that, another sacrifice. So when the Bible says Jesus was one sacrifice for all, one and done, okay? In other words, he paid for it all. He paid for it all. That's how He can make you and me righteous tonight. He made us the same righteousness as Himself. because he paid. You say, well, well if I commit a, a, a sin of act, will that not end my righteousness? No, because the righteousness is not based upon your obedience. It's based upon His. Am I losing you? Stay with me now. Let me give you at least a couple of these scriptures. So Romans 6 and 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin. And I I did the all caps clearly. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Hebrews 7 and 27. He who does not daily, as those priests, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Let's jump to Hebrews 9:11 and 12, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. If you've ever wondered why we say good things coming at here, it is Jesus is our high priest, he's the high priest of good things to come. And so this is why we always say good things coming. We're expecting good things. Amen. Because of Jesus, not because of us, because of him. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Here it is again. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You know I got more. Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. By that will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. What did John the Baptist say of Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the Baptist. Is that what it says? Sin of the world. The sin of the world. I'm not picking on the Baptist. I'm just Methodist, whatever. like, Like one specific group? No, the whole world. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, for sins, forever. Do you see that, verse 12? Sat down at the right hand of God. Skip to verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified is speaking of an ongoing work in your life that's making you more and more like Jesus. So he's saying on that level, you know, you're still a work in progress, yet at the spirit level, (laughs) you're perfected forever. Hebrews 7.25, I'm finishing. Therefore, in light of everything we just said and a whole lot more, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. In other words, Jesus is at work right now as a, as a representative for you on your behalf to the, to the Father. That word uttermost, do you see it? Because of what he's done, he's able to save to the uttermost. What does uttermost mean? Uttermost means this, until the completion of all, thoroughly, completely, Wholly, entirely, forever. Oh, for some reason this makes me want to say Shazam. Right? Until the completion of all. I've been saved until the completion of all. I'm saved to the uttermost, not by my works, by his. I've been saved thoroughly. I've been saved completely. I've been saved wholly. I've been saved entirely. I've been saved forever. Why? Why? So that Father's eternal desire for fellowship has an opportunity to be satisfied. That's how much it means to him. That's how important you are to him. That's how much he longs to be with you. We've heard God loves you so many, it's true, and I'm not. you don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, but Jesus loves you, God loves you. We've almost become numb to that. We've heard that so many times, it's, it's almost like there's just a part of us that, that goes in one ear and out the other. My friend, he loves you. Pull every petal off, every flower in the world. He loves you. No, loves me not. He loves you. He knows everything you've ever done wrong. He knows every mistake you've ever made. He knows every lie you've ever told. He, he knows everything there is to He knows things about you you don't even know or remember about yourself. And he loves you. He loves you and he wants you. It's time for us to want him back, church. It's time for us to want him back. One of Todd Ivey's favorite expressions, or at least I hear him say it a lot, he talks about having skin in the game. In other words, we've got something invested. He has invested so much in you. Oh, Let's invest something in him. Amen. Amen. Stand with me tonight.